All right, so today's episode is an absolute doozy would be the best way for me to say this one. So I made a decision a couple weeks ago that I wanted to record an episode with kind of like my whole story, like from where I started uh, as a young child all the way up to like where I'm sitting today, the trials, the tribulations, um, the wins, the losses, the lessons, and all those different parts. And it just so happened that one of my best friends, my main man, Dominic, introduced me, not introduced me, interviewed me for his podcast, The Great Man Within. And the way that he asked me questions and navigated this conversation pulled out a better version than I could have recorded myself. And this episode, I actually, like for the first time ever, listened to my own interview. I've listened to it almost three times now, and I'm taking notes (laughs) on what I can do and how I can use this in my life. And so the entire context of this episode is my story about but how I was measuring my life wrong as a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur, and basically how it destroyed any chance or semblance of success that I had and I couldn't see. And so I go through everything, my measuring stick, how I overcame it, what I use now that basically guarantees my success. And so This episode, I've pulled it from Dom's show and I'm leaving it in, including his intro and his calls to action. Dom is a dear friend of mine. Um, I highly recommend every one of you subscribe to his podcast, The Great Man Within Podcast. And as you listen through this, there's some times I think Dom and I both say for men, for men, this is a very... Um, this is a podcast with a big, uh, male listenership, but it applies to everybody, men, women, anybody, children, adults. Uh, I do cuss a few times though. I think you're used to that at this point though. So I don't want to keep going about this. I am going to let you get into the show. And my favorite part is Dom's introduction where he takes you through measuring sticks and how to set goals, which feeds perfectly into our episode. And so without further ado, I'm going to transition over to my amazing friend and his beautiful, beautiful podcast voice in three, two, one, go. Have you ever stopped to think about how to measure the quality of your life? I mean, truly stop to think about how to measure the quality of your life. Now, I'm willing to bet that much of what you're measuring right now is not conscious or intentional. Now, it's relatively easy to measure things like your net worth, your physical appearance, how you feel about it, your career trajectory, but none of these measurements include the most important thing, how you feel. Here's an important reminder. Everything you ever do is because you are in search of a feeling. I want to say that again. Everything you ever do is because you are in search of a feeling, whether you know it consciously or not. You want a million dollars? Chances are you're searching for the feeling of freedom. You want to start your own business? Perhaps you're seeking the feeling of control and autonomy in your life. You want to lose 30 pounds? Maybe you want the feeling of confidence in your own body. But when you lose sight of the fact that you're always in search of a feeling, you can easily drift into actions, responsibilities, and obligations that often lead you to the exact opposite feelings that you're seeking. Instead, have you ever thought about measuring how many days you feel lit up by your own life versus just living the grind or going through the motions? Have you ever thought about measuring how many times a day you laugh, smile, and feel joy versus stressed and anxious? Have you ever thought about measuring how often you feel a sense of meaning and fulfillment and momentum building in your life versus being perpetually busy and overwhelmed? 
If you're not measuring the feelings that matter most to you, it is impossible to live the quality of life that you desire. And that's why today I interview my good friend and digital marketing genius, George Bryant, who spent most of his life, as he puts it, operating with a broken measuring stick. Now, George is one hyper impressive dude. Just listen to this list of achievements he's racked up all before the age of 40, mind you. He's been the New York Times bestselling co-author of the book, The Paleo Kitchen. He's had the number one health app in Apple's App Store for the entire year of 2015. He's accumulated a followership of over a million followers on Facebook. He's been the former world record holder for box jump height. He's been the highest paid digital marketer in the world, consulting with NBA teams, Reebok, Adidas, Men's Health, and Vital Proteins. He was even called the Neo of Marketing by former Onnit CEO and New York Times bestselling author, Aubrey Marcus. Pretty impressive, right? But what you'll hear from George in today's interview is all of these accolades were empty, joyless, and nearly destroyed his marriage with two kids. You see, he chased those achievements because he thought those external accomplishments would bring him a sense of acceptance and worthiness, and instead, he nearly burned down his life and his marriage in the process. Today, George lives his life guided by a very different measuring stick, one of his own design, and the details of which you'll hear in today's episode, but include feeling a sense of inner peace and contentment, knowing how to honor his own personal well-being, and being a present, powerful, and committed husband and father. A great man knows how to measure his own life, and then he builds his life around it. How will you measure and build yours? Enjoy today's episode with How a Great Man Measures His Life, featuring George Bryant. George, brother, it is almost impossible to know where to begin a conversation with you because I wrote down a list of potential entry points for us to begin. This list describes parts of who you are. You're a New York Times bestselling author. You've been the highest paid digital marketer in the world. You've tied the world record for box jumping. You're a military veteran, a Marine. You had the number one health app on Apple's platform in the year 2015. You are a sexual abuse survivor. You've battled with bulimia and you've battled with suicidal thoughts as well. If this were the wheel of fortune, man, and we were going to take a spin on that list, where would you like to begin? Or... If there's a mystery category that I haven't written down that you want to jump in on, man, we could start anywhere. Oh, brother, I love you to pieces. Thank you for having me. I'll spin the wheel a little bit because you said something in the beginning. You said, this is who I am. The beautiful thing about this being leading myself is uh, none of those are who I am. Those are things that I did. And so I think that's probably the best place to start this episode. Yeah. Say more about that. When you say those are things that I did, but they're not who I am. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So first, like for everybody listening, Dom saved you about 30 minutes of a longer list because there's plenty more of compensation to be added to that sticky note. Compensation meaning what? Yeah, that's what I'm unpacking right now. (laughs) So for me, uh, most of those things, quite frankly, came out of insecurity, right? They came from this belief, this chip on my shoulder that I wasn't good enough. People were going to leave me. Let me show my drug addicted parents. Let me show the teachers who never said I made it. Let me show the kids that bullied me and broke my nose three times and knocked my teeth out. Like, let me show them, right? And so 
like none of those things came out of joy. None of them came out of alignment. None of them came out of presence. They all came out of compensation, right? Like I was measuring my value or worth based on the results that I created in the world. And because of that, it's really awesome when you look on the outside, right? But like Dom knows this, when you look at that, you know, you see a, a man in pain, right? You see an addict, you see a personality, you see this afraid to feel, afraid to sit still, afraid to get into those deep, dark parts of myself. And there are some of those things now in my life that I look back on that I am so proud of. Like I wear those with pride, both the ups and the downs, like because they've helped me get to this point in my life. But the biggest distinction for me getting to this point in my life is realizing that all of those were just things that I did, but had nothing to do with who I was. Huh. They came at moments of my life when there were parts of me that were either consciously or subconsciously in alignment. And because of that, I was able to create those things. But the come from was a lot of fear and pain and scarcity and insecurity and compensation. And so now when I sit here and I look at my life, it's really, really funny because all I'm trying to do is create moments in life that nobody can write on a sticky note, but makes me and my family and friends feel loved and special and safe. And so that's kind of how I see that. And it's, it's really interesting, Dom, because even before the episode, we were joking and you're like, oh, which one on the list? And I didn't even know. And then when you said it and you're like, these are who you are. And I was like, holy breakthrough. Like, wow, I used to actually believe that like you would only be my friend, Dom, if I was a New York Times bestseller, if I tied a world record, if I had so-and-so, if I consulted those companies, if I was a trillionaire, right? And mm -hmm. uh, my wife texted me this the other day and she said, a lot of people suffer when you don't realize your sovereignty, us included, because when you don't accept how good you are for being yourself, you rob us of the ability to love you because you don't love you. That's right. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And so, you know, I, I realize now that all of those things were required in order for me to have this clarity, right? I'm pretty stubborn and tenacious at the same time, right? And so the average person would get smacked in the face with a two by four and learn their lesson. And I'm like, oh, I still have 16 teeth left. So <laughs> let's go again, right? Yeah. What you're saying is so powerful here, George, that I suppose the question that's coming to my mind is what is it like to accumulate these accolades? Because so many people, myself included, run around trying to get these accolades, right? And then to become a New York Times bestselling author, to hold a world record in box jumping to be the number one app in the app store in your category, and then to not feel joy, right? Like, can you dig into that experience of hitting the top of all of those categories and then feeling the absence of joy? Like what took its place? Yeah. Oh, oh my, uh, anger, sadness, depression. I remember, I'll just, I'll tell you a story. So my book came out on June 10th of 2014. And I'll be really frank, I'm only a New York Times bestseller because my publisher told me I couldn't do it. Hmm. And they didn't know me at the time. They didn't know that that was my trigger. But they were like, there's no way your email list isn't big enough. You only have 4,000 people. You don't have enough fans. Blah, blah, blah. So I obsessed for nine months about developing the best marketing plan, strategy, adding value. And of course, there's pockets of genius and things that I still do to this day that was amazing. But my come from was all for the wrong reasons. It was predicated on transaction on outside validation and all these things. And so I remember... And proving someone wrong, right? Proving somebody wrong, yeah. for sure, which was my whole life, right? Like that was everything that was stacked against me. So I remember it was July 10th, actually right around this time of the year back in 2014. And we took a family vacation to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, my family, my wife and her family. And they rented out this entire restaurant and surprised me with a celebration party, right? Every window was plastered with the book, New York Times oh, bestseller, nice. blah, 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 right? 
And there were people that flew in from all over the country. And I'll never forget, I walked in and everybody screamed and said, congratulations. And I yelled and I said, Ollie, you can go fuck yourself. You yelled that at them? I did. I did. Why? I didn't want to. And then my wife's like, what's your problem? I said, why are we having a party? I only hit number four on the list. Huh. I didn't even realize that it was coming out of me, right? Like I had no conscious awareness that like I had anger, I had resentment, but literally I looked at that entire accomplishment like it was a failure because I was so disconnected from myself and what was important. I thought that because it wasn't number one, none of those people would love me. None of those people belonged in that room. And so instead of realizing that that belief was false, I allowed it to be true and my actions actually made it true. I pushed them away. I was cold. I was disconnected. And I was the one who was playing in this. And so, you know, for me, you know, when I think about it, you know, the accolades for me were all about compensation and trying to find a grasp, some semblance of control, right? Like the way that I saw it was that if I could do this and I could create this, then I was in control. And if I was in control of my life, then I was safe. Nobody could hurt me. I couldn't get abused again. I couldn't get left again. I couldn't get taken advantage of. I couldn't get you know taken from. I couldn't lose my money. I couldn't lose my relationship because I controlled everything. Yep. And so when that happened, I was like, well, I can't control it. Look, you failed again. You're about to get hurt. So instead of being open and sad or even happy... I suppressed those emotions and I covered it with anger like, look, I'm not good enough. And I collected it as evidence to move on to the next thing. And so it's really, really, really interesting because now where I am in my life and looking back, I've found zero joy in any accomplishment whatsoever because it's the finish line. And now where I'm in my life, I love the process because that's where my growth happens every day, right? And you know, it's interesting because back then I was doing things to create quote unquote, social media results, right? Or that Instagram life or like what everybody saw in the world. But when you saw 22 week New York Times bestseller, I was losing 40 grand a month in business because I was neglecting the things that would have moved the needle. Hmm. When you saw a million followers on social media, I was depressed and using social media as my escape from my own feelings. When you saw me smiling with a picture of my family, I was posting a picture of my wife to check a box because I didn't know how to love her behind the scenes. And so for every one of those accomplishments, I can tell you the pain that I was in. And I was really, quite frankly, screaming for help and not knowing how. And so I was sharing my feelings. I was sharing my fears. I was sharing what was there without having the confidence or the self-love or the acceptance of my own voice to just be like, hey, guys, I don't have it all together. I am not you know, quote unquote, perfect. I'm posting this because I'm afraid that I'm unlovable unless it's perfect. I'm posting this because I'm afraid that you won't like me unless I look this way or I feel this way or I have these things. And so, you know, for me, it was a very, very empty, dark time. And it goes back all the way, basically from 18 to 32 was when I lived this life, right? You know, I sit here and, you know, Dom and I are in video, but I have a shadow box behind me in the military. And I was literally recognized across the board, awards, accolades, And so every time I would lose a Marine and I would be in pain, rather than feel the pain, I would internalize it, turn it into rage and be like, I'm going to go win this award. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. And quite frankly, it almost killed me. It almost killed me because that's not an unlimited fuel source, right? Like insecurity, reaction, it runs out, right? Let's talk about that, George, because your anger and your rage have extraordinary energy, especially when you focus it. When someone tells you you can't, like you'll never be a New York Times bestseller, that anger, that rage, and you get focused, and then it leads to this achievement, right? And and I know there are many of our listeners 
who are energized are fueled by either insecurity or by fear or by ego or by anger. And I'm, I'm speaking as, as someone who's been in all of those places before as well. Was it scary for you to wean yourself off of those emotions? Because when you've built your whole life around that being your fuel source and it leading to those accomplishments, it's almost like stepping to the abyss and saying like, I don't even know what other energy source there is. And I don't know who I am without what I've been used to from the ages of 18 to 32. Totally. I think the important part when I think about all of that was that I didn't let go of the energy. I acknowledged that that's where it was coming from. Okay. Like the biggest distinction for me, and I think that this would help a lot of people because this is something I struggle with, right? Like when I was there, I didn't know I was there. And then when I started having awareness that I was there, right? Like people like, hey, this is an ideal. This is an ideal. I lived in that paradigm of like, I'm broken. What do I do to fix it? What do I do to fix it? What do I do to fix it? Right? Like I was looking for a path. I was looking for a checklist, which is another exhausting process because it's all compensation and doing this. And then the big distinction for me was realizing that it's not the energy that was bad. It was the unacknowledgement or lack of awareness of the energy. Like I'm a human. I experience emotions. We Mm -hmm. all do. For me, in my opinion, it was only insecure because I wasn't aware of where it was coming from. The moment I was aware of like, oh, I'm really driven to prove this guy wrong. I'm like, oh, there it goes again. I'm like, well, obviously that's interesting, but I'm doing this for X. The energy was the same, except I had an awareness of where it came from, which then empowered me for the right reasons. And so, you know, now when I, I think about it, it is scary, right? There's plenty of moments of fear in my life. Like I'm surrendering to the unknown. I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, two minutes from now. Like this could be the last thing I ever do in my life at the end of the show if I just decide to croak over and die, right? I have no idea where, knocked on wood, no <laughs> idea where this, where this is going. And I used to be really, really scared about that. You know, I've experienced a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, and I've also done a whole lot of work, you know, therapies, plant medicine, all those different things. And then I realized what I'm really afraid of isn't the unknown. I'm afraid of the lack of control because it makes me vulnerable. That was a really, really deep rooted fear for me. And so, you know, once I had this awareness, once I started to shift, then I started to shift to like, okay, I know where it's coming from, but then I would not be fully authentic or fully vulnerable because I wanted to kind of mitigate risk. And then I started realizing like I couldn't feel the love of my wife or the love of my children because I wasn't in the experience to experience like the swing of pain into the swing of pleasure or the swing of sadness into the swing of joy, realizing that feelings are temporary, like you catch them, but you can also let them go. And so, you know, for me, you know, knowing that's there, the only time it's ever been scary for me is when I haven't acknowledged where it's come from. It meaning the anger. It, the anger, the fear, the sadness, the whatever. When I haven't explored or even just taken a moment to myself, like, God, I'm feeling really sad right now. Where does that come from? And it's either, oh, or I don't know. But even in the I don't knows, like giving it a voice, giving it a container, giving it a spot allows me to realize where I am. And then the, the future isn't scary anymore. Like the unknown isn't scary because I now know where I am. And, yep. and in my opinion, when I know where I am, there is no fear, right? Because that doesn't really happen, right? Like we hear this all the time. Depression comes from thinking about the past and anxiety comes from thinking about the future. Right. And so if I'm in anxiousness, I realize that I'm disconnected from where I currently am right? Which is where I'm in a position of power, even if that's like, hey, I'm super sad today, or I'm super angry today, or I'm a little depressed, or I don't know what's coming up. For me, the moment I can recognize it, 
then I have the ability to voice it if I need to. I can write it. I can share it. I can call you. I can call my wife. I can be like, hey, this is coming up for me. Don't need to do anything. Just wanted to acknowledge it. And that's when I fall into this sense of like peace and safety and confidence, even in lieu of like how I feel. And, and for everybody like, oh, this guy's got it figured out. Like, no, the demons don't go away. Like the nightmares, the PTSD, the 28 Marines lost, the three suicides witnessed, the all of it. I still have the same visceral reactions in my body. I still have the same thoughts and the same fears. The only difference is, is I no longer believe that they run me and own me because I'm aware of them. Right. That awareness is such a big step, man. And I want to unpack how you got to this new level of awareness. I think one of the best places to start is this contrast between something you brought up before, the nine months of grind that you put yourself through to get the New York Times bestseller, right? Like it kicked mm -hmm. off this nine month and you were only concerned with the finish line results, number one or bust, and what living like those nine months felt like for you versus now, right? And like falling in love with the process versus the outcome orientation. Can you put those side by side for us and kind of walk us through how different that contrast is? Yeah. I think the one keel to keep deep in the water, the big distinction is self-respect. The biggest difference for me is self-respect. So when I was in nine months, I'm going to show you, I'm going to work 22 hours a day. I was committing slow suicide and I knew it. I knew it. And that's not hyperbole, right? I mean, like, cause no. like you've been to the edge with some of those thoughts as well, right? So that's, oh no, no, that's not hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. Like to hear that, you know, I struggle with addiction to narcotics, pain pills, because I, I had some severe injuries in my life and I lived with chronic pain from, you know, brain injuries, bleeding on my brain, almost losing my legs, chronic regional pain syndrome. And so I was prescribed these things. And so what I would basically do is have, you know, six cups of coffee a day, sleep three hours a night, work out twice a day, work for 18 hours a day and take pain pills for energy. And so like I actually ended up in the hospital. Mm. I ended up with adrenal fatigue to the point where I had to stay in bed for three months. I couldn't have any caffeine for 18 months of my life. I had to go through 12 step programs. Like when I say it, no, it is not hyperbole. Like I mean, what everybody saw was these recipes and this beautiful photography that I took and you know, this label, right? And what they didn't see was the death happening behind the door, right? The Grim Reaper was just sit there like sitting in the chair next to me in my kitchen, just waiting, like yeah. literally just waiting. Yeah. And really what it was is that I was more concerned about the opinion and validation of others than I was living, quite frankly, like just to drop it is really, really what it was. I had so little self-recognition, self-respect and connection to self of who I was that literally I truly believed that the only value I added on this planet was how somebody else saw me. Right. And so that nine months was the hardest nine months of my life because that was probably the first time I'd lived that way where there were other people that were affected because I was dating my now wife. I was a bonus dad to our now 15-year-old daughter and normally, I had no feedback loop. It was just me, right? I was this okay. guy that got the yep. Marine Corps. It was just me living alone, yep. right? I'm like, I can do this, exhibiting whatever shitty behaviors came up, right? Like taking the easy way out, you know, dopamine hitting, validation, you know, sex and love addictions, all those different things, right? But this was the first time I had a feedback loop yep. where there were other people that were there. It wasn't enough to stop it, but it was sure enough 
to create cognitive dissonance so that I could never do it again. Was that your first wake up call? Was that your first like real big awareness? Was that feedback loop? Yeah, my wife broke up with me twice in nine months. Okay. Then the second time changed her number and took her daughter away and said I could never see them again. Okay. And so I've actually never talked about that publicly, but I was so broken and damaged. I was basically exhibiting every tendency of a narcissist and sociopath put together into one. And thank God for the angel of my wife who just saw the broken little boy just wanting to be loved and not knowing what it was like to be loved. Yeah. Not knowing what it was like to just sit still and like that be okay. But she respected herself and I wasn't allowed in. But that wedge of dissonance is kind of what started it, right? Like it was I just got out of the Marine Corps after 12 years of trauma, PTSD, and I'd still never processed my childhood PTSD of the sexual abuse. Yeah. Not speaking to my mom for 15 years, losing my dad to cancer, married and divorced. Like all the stuff that I had been through was just stacked and stacked and stacked. Yeah. And her during that time breaking up with me was the catalyst and the wedge that literally saved my life. Hmm. Literally saved my life because I got a feedback loop, but I also had somebody who knew themselves enough that they wouldn't settle for anything less than what they deserve. And it had nothing to do with me, but it was just it was just a hard no. Like, no, no, no. And so it was like that sneaking little bit of light in that darkness that just started to kind of penetrate and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so for the next couple of years, I would exhibit some of the same behaviors and then it would get caught by other people and I would hear it sooner. And then it got to a point where I started to catch it. And when I started to catch it, it was no longer a mistake. It was a choice. And luckily, I had the feedback loop in my life and my wife would be like, hey, you can't say that you don't know this anymore. You're choosing this, right? And I'd be like, oh, and I would defend it for a minute. And I'm like, no, you're I I did. And then I I would get frustrated (laughs) because I'm like, I don't have the tools. I don't know what to do because I was living in this like doing this. Yeah, yeah. Doing this, doing this because I still didn't know who I was. I still didn't know like how just to check in or the fact that I could call Dom and be like, hey, man. I have no fucking clue what I'm feeling right now. I just feel like crying and you'd hold that space and just let me cry. I didn't know what that was. I'd never expressed emotion. I'd never been okay. I had never been taught any of those things. And so the lack of self-respect basically drove me down this road. And then now where I am, output wise, and Dom will tell you, I'm a, I'm a madman. In four hours of a day, I can produce 12 videos for a full course and be energized by the end of it because I'm choosing it out of filling my tank, the impact, documenting my voice and sharing my mission versus like, let me show everybody. Like I'm completely unattached to the outcome because my creation is I'm doing this because this is moving me forward. This is moving my relationship with myself forward, my relationship with my family, my relationship with my team, my relationship with my customers. This is the example I want to be in the world. This is how I want to teach my kids, how I want to teach my wife. Like how I want to lead myself, quite frankly. Yeah. And the place that I am now as we all grow every day is I'm now working on healing the guilt that comes from only working four hours a day. Right. And realizing (laughs) when my wife looks at me and I'm Dom and I talk about this all the time. She looks at me and she's like, you did more in four hours than you used to do in four weeks. Yeah. Like not even making it about other people. Right. She's like, yeah, you used to produce 60 pieces of content that were shallow, disconnected, transactional and bullshit. And now you create more in four hours that can change your life, your world, and everybody else's because you're congruent. And so, George, let's. I want to talk about that for a quick second because please, Callie Simon, who's my chief operating officer, you know Callie. She said something brilliant along these lines yesterday. It takes courage to go from like the 16-hour workdays that you know like can produce the 60 pieces of content that are shallow and disconnected. It takes courage to move from that to the four-hour workday. That produces like that intuitive, 
deep, resonant, authentic stuff. And then to allow yourself the rest of the space for the rest of the day to do the things that fill your tank. Would you agree that it takes courage to do that? And why? Why does it take courage to do that? <laughs> I would totally agree. We were talking about this before, right? Like I would absolutely 100% agree that it takes courage because it requires self-confidence, trust, faith, and surrender. That's a lot of shit right there, man. <laughs> and I added faith from like a spiritual perspective because it could be trust or faith for you, right? But really, the first is the confidence, right? Like you can't create positive results in the world out of insecurity. You can feel insecure. You can have fears. You can have like I'm having financial fears right now. Like I'm sitting here. I own eight companies. I went from being a liquid millionaire five months ago to the world happening. And I'm like, I just had to take a loan for the first time in my business. Yeah. The only difference is it's not affected my body once. Like nothing in my body. I'm the happiest I've ever been because what I recognize is like I have this feeling of fear, right? But it's not me. And when I feel it, I give myself the space to feel it, which is scary because it requires that I sit there and I sit in it to explore it. I don't create from that place. But once I go through it, I'm like, okay, got it. I come out and now I go create, right? So you can't create positive results out of insecurity, but we're going to have insecurities. We're going to have fears, but they require their own container. They require yeah. the time and the space. And so for me, because I don't want to proselytize or, you know, yeah, I'll just talk about myself. For me, why I was so scared of it is because I was afraid to feel and I didn't know what would come out of the feelings. Like I would be like, well, if I'm scared and I sit here and I just cry, 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 well, what the hell am I going to do about it? Because right. I thought it was about doing rather than realizing it was about awareness, right? right and not right. suppressing, not pushing things down. And the way that I saw it is every day I pushed my feelings down, I negatively programmed my supercomputer that was running my day. I was losing more and more quote unquote control of myself by suppressing those emotions and I was programming fears and insecurities in. And so I personally, for me, I was afraid of doing less because my measuring stick was broken. My value was predicated on output. Say that again, man. I was afraid of doing less because my measuring stick was broken. I was afraid of doing less because my measuring stick was broken. Last year, my theme for the year in 2019 was my measuring stick is broken. Hmm. And like when I say that now, like I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a business partner, I'm a coach, I'm a podcast host, I'm a lot of different things, right? But I can't be any of those things unless I lead myself first and I love myself first. Like the end, like it's a, it's yeah. a non-negotiable. But what does that mean? Well, I know myself. I know my personality. I know what it takes to move my needle. And what I need is momentum every day. I need wins in my life, right? So I have to set myself up to win. So I changed my measuring stick. Like at 6.45 this morning, I'd already won my day. I'd finished a workout. I'd read a book and I'd spent an hour with my children. Hmm. Anything that happened after that was a bonus. Anything, right? So this is a bonus. The two more podcasts this afternoon are a bonus. The one I did this morning is a bonus because my measuring stick set me up to win. I wasn't basing my measuring stick on some level of like tangible measurable result. I was basing it on like alignment with myself. Like I gave myself space today. I processed a feeling. I filled my bucket. I filled my child's bucket. I filled my daughter's bucket and my wife's bucket. And I set myself up to win that way. So for me, it requires a whole lot of confidence because it requires a level of faith in self, not faith in anything else, like faith in self that you know that that intuition, that wisdom that you're feeling in that moment, right? When you give yourself that space, that you have the ability to trust it and take action on it and that you're doing it for you, not for everybody else. And then, you know, that was the big thing for me because, and, and listen, like 
we live in a world that perpetuates more, 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 more. Like you're not there enough. You're not there enough. You're not there enough. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> Stop projecting your shit on me. No, like fuck no. How about that? Like, how about we're not even supposed to process the amount of dopamine hits we get every day? Like, we've never had this level of input into our body before. Right. Like, we are de-evolving ourselves. We breathe through our mouth. We de-evolve our heads. We don't give our breath. We don't give light. We don't even exhale fully. We spend too much time talking. Like, there's a lot of things here that are just simply solved by space. And so, I still get uncomfortable with space. And when I get uncomfortable, it means I need to lean more into it. Right. That's the way that I see it. Let's dig into that, man, because a few of our podcasts that get downloaded the most are conversations around how to simplify your life, how to beat overwhelm. Right. Because these are things that people are are experiencing because I would imagine the measuring stick is broken. Right. It's based on output and doing. So you've said that confidence, self-respect and the linchpin, which is awareness, right, like this awareness helped you to move from your external orientation to an internal orientation Let's talk about the influences that allowed you to learn like awareness, maybe some books or workshops or therapy or, you know, like if you can walk us through kind of like the evolution, you know, I know like Lindsay was like your first wake up call when she left you, but who are some of the experts that helped you? And then the, the group of men that you surrounded yourself with today. Totally. So one of the things you said, I just want to dispel this. So confidence is not a feeling. Confidence is a result of awareness and choice. Hmm. I just, I want to be clear of that. When I say confidence, it's not like I woke up like I'm going to crush today. Like this morning, I woke up sad. Like this morning, I actually woke up sad, right? And so I went for a 45-minute walk in silence, and I explored that sadness. And at the end of the sadness, I realized I was sad with fears that I was making up that weren't even true. Once I became aware of that, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I can't fix it all overnight, but what is the one thing I can do today? And I set my measuring stick for the day. And then I came back, I made breakfast, my wife, my kid, kid out the door, finished 17 things in like 22 minutes because I had awareness of where it was. And I was like, no matter what, my measuring stick today is one step forward. So that awareness with that clarity is where I get confidence from. So I just, I think that there's misnomers of like, oh, man up or you're confident here. You're bold. Like it's not a feeling. It's a result of process or result of work or result of intentionality. And so so for me, the evolution was interesting. So first evolution was personal development, right? So my wife left me. I tried to get her back, tried to get her back. And she said, not until you do this training. And this was back in like 2014, 15? This was 2014, 15. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then uh, I was like, I don't need personal development. I read books. And I had never really read a book ever. <laughs> but I tried to find every way out. So I went to personal development. It was a derivative of Lifespring, like Warner Earnhardt trainings, right? Like Landmark, but with experiences, right? So the, the first five days is 54 actual experiences. The second seven days is like 120 experiential exercises. So like, exercises, got it. Yeah, like guided meditations, breath work, gestalt empty chair processes, things like not lecture, like you actually purge and experience, right? And then the third part is 90 days of leadership training where you're in, you have to write a contract, you have to sign it. And I signed up for all of it and I lied my way through all of it. I did everything but the stuff that helped other people. And I'll, I'll share this. The last 90 days... Part of the contract, you have to have a personal goal, a business goal, a relationship goal, and a charity goal, right? You had to volunteer for 20 hours. I waited till day 89 to go volunteer. And then I had no problem telling everybody how good I was doing and what I was doing because I was playing the game because I was afraid to feel. And so I had to take that one on the chin. And when I left that, I kind of came back into life and expected it all to work on its own, right? Like, oh, I did this training now. I have this distinction. I'm here. And I just created more of the same shit with bigger consequences, right? Like I had more shallow relationships, more shallow measuring sticks. 
had a lot more dollars and decimals in the bank account with a whole lot more liability and disgustingness and sadness. Huh. And so that happened and that happened, that happened. Then we got married and I just checked out. Like I disappeared. I went dark. My wife ended up pregnant with our beautiful son. And the next breaking point is she was eight months pregnant and we were about two weeks away from bankruptcy. What led up to that near bankruptcy? What was going on? Just neglect of self, right? Like advocating my own responsibility every day, doing everything for the wrong reasons, the validation, the followers, you know, living a lifestyle that I hadn't warranted yet, living with the labels, like just being irresponsible. The business I built was losing like 30, 40 grand a month. And so that moment um, was there. And I actually, by the grace of God, my buddy, Sean Stevenson, big one, rest in peace, little one, we miss you, called me to Jim Quick's house. And I came for a meeting and I was in a room full of all the, and I mean successful, the combined net worth on rooms like $700 million. And here I am. And I was so gone. Like I was so scared and so broken and so just done. I didn't know what to do. So when somebody said, how do you feel? Or like, how's life for you? I was like, it fucking sucks. Why the fuck do you think I'm here? Like, fuck you. And like, I literally went on like a five minute diatribe and I was like purging all over the place. I was like, well, here goes my career. And like, all these people, some of them I knew, some I didn't. Some of them were CEOs of $500 million companies, like blah, 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 blah. And then the most beautiful thing happened. Everyone's like, oh, well, how can we help? I'm like, <laughs> fuck, what? <laughs> what? Okay, cool. But then I felt different. Like I felt better. And I had cleared, I, I probably cleared like six years of emotional baggage in like five minutes. And it created space for me to see. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in this business. This isn't what I want to do. And someone's like, you have a pretty unique skill set. And that's where my consulting business started was actually in that room that day. But it didn't fix itself overnight. But that was the catalyst. I was holding on to that business. And I was holding on to the life that I had created as the last semblance of control. I was like, even though it's losing 30 grand a month, I built it. So I know I can fix it, right? And I'd been saying the same thing for like nine months, 10 months, right? And I'm like, oh, I know I don't really want to do it, but I own it and it's mine, right? Like I was once again, weighing my value on the things that I created. And so it took, like I said, a two by four to the face normally doesn't land for me. You got to knock all my teeth out. So it took my wife being eight and a half months pregnant and literally having the fear that I wouldn't have a roof over her head when my child was born and my daughter would end up homeless as well that created that catalyst to where I felt like I had built enough pressure to burn my own ships without realizing it because I didn't really know how to ask for help. I didn't know how to process my feelings and emotion. And so that that day was the catalyst. As soon as I expressed my feelings that day, I found this newfound freedom in expressing my feelings and I started the pursuit of that. And so that's when I started doing men's work. I started reading, you know, Dom to go over. We, you know, let's, I want to pause on this real quick. Cause like what it sounds like, George, is that was the first time that you actually asked for help. Thousand percent. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe a conscious, like, I know what I'm doing right here. It was more of like a kind of a, a release, like a gasket was blown, but other people could see what was needed, which was like, you were, like you needed help. Totally. And like I had quote unquote asked for help. My ego had asked for help hundreds of times. I didn't really fucking want help, right? Because I would lie about where I was and what I was. I would I never ripped the bandit off. Yeah. What what is like an ego ask look like versus like an authentic one? Yeah, like bump into room. You're like, George, how's this? I'm like, oh, it's doing great. We got one point one million followers. They made like, you know, one point one million dollars in sales in the last nine months. Like family's good. And then the second I go, I walk out, I have a text from my wife, I can't stand how empty you make me feel. We just lost thirty-two grand. The business is failing. Why are you still doing this? And then I would go right back into the room and be like, no, it's all great, guys. It's all great. Look, look at me. Look at how many followers I have. Like, look how fucking happy I am. Right. And I, I mean, really, at the end of the day, 
all I was doing was lying to myself. Nobody else, like everybody could see it clear as day, right? But I was just in denial, lying to myself. And so my ego was making all the decisions. So yeah, I'd say that's the first time I ever actually truly opened my heart. And the reason it was so hard is because that moment meant I had to let go of a story I had for 33 years of my life, which is that I'm not good enough. Hmm. And that was what I was afraid of. Like my fear is that I'm not good enough and people leave me. And so for me, what it meant in that moment was death. It felt like death. Hmm. It felt like ego death, just like on ayahuasca. Like that moment meant everything. And I was like, I'm going to lose it all. And I was like, but I've already have. Like, what's the worst that can happen? And it wasn't conscious. It was like there was literally no room left for any more bullshit inside of me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it blew like a volcano that hasn't erupted in 7,000 years. And <laughs> luckily, nobody was in the path of it but my ego, my insecurities. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it's fixed overnight. But what really happened that day is I got unplugged from the matrix. Like, really, that's the best way that I could take it. Yeah. I took the blue pill, red pill, whatever one it is I always remember, but I got unplugged and I realized in that moment there was no plugging back in. From that day forward, every time I chose a behavior that wasn't aligned to my greatest self, I could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I could feel it. And it didn't change overnight. I was still doing it, but man, I couldn't even get within one one thousandth of the capacity that I was because it would just kill me and the dissonance would rip me to pieces. And so that started me on this journey of figuring out, okay there's definitely something to sharing my feelings and being in my truth and exploring this. So where do I start? And right? so I went to 12 step programs. I started Which ones? You know, reading. I went to SLAA, you know, yeah. to process my sexual abuse and things like that. And then I'd gone to some CODA meetings, Codependence Anonymous, because that was a big part of it because I would use those relationships to avoid feeling and keep myself safe. And so then, of course, that led down the spiritual path. Like I found like the four agreements and things like that. And it wasn't overnight, but it was like piece by piece. Like another part of the puzzle got put into practice to where I couldn't stay in the darkness anymore, right? It was like a new piece of light came in and my awareness kept increasing. And then, you know, I went through evolutions of friends and I started doing, you know, like a men's work, uh, you know, like John Wineland events. That's I how started, we met. Yeah. That's how we met. Actually, I started, you know, looking into spirituality. I, I tried Kundalini yoga for a while. And then I started going to like retreats that were about like spirituality and self-love and, and things like this. And, you know, with the support of my wife and my family, which they always saw me, right? They always saw my greatness. They already saw my heart, but I couldn't even see it, right? So everybody got robbed of it. So it wasn't like this one thing because I would go, this was the dangerous part. I would get clarity on something, right? And I'd be like, oh, I got it figured out. Game over. I'm good, right? Rest of my life, right? And then I would stop doing the daily intentional work and things like that. And then I would end up repeating a same behavior or pattern. And yeah. then it would be like this cyclical rate, just like it used to be like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm going to go prove how good I am. And so I started playing that same story in personal growth. Hey, like, I know this is an ideal, but look, I figured it out. Now I haven't figured out. I don't have to do the work anymore. Yeah. We talked about that recently, right? This is one of the things I write about in, in my book on purpose leadership, which is the, the pillar of these daily practices, right? The pillar of being on purpose and the mastering the art of leading yourself are these daily practices. And when you are firing on all cylinders, what are some of the practices that you bring in on a daily basis that keep you grounded, centered, and confident? The number one, like, I'm just going to tell you the biggest one is silence solitude and silence. Yeah. Why? Guys have a hard time with that, but it's like, it's, it's extraordinary, right? I mean, I watch you and I'm like in awe of like what you do and like you motivate me and lead me in this every day. But like for me, the way that I describe my fear of it is because it forces me to look in a mirror that sometimes I don't want to see. 
Yeah. And that just tells me that I still have some forgiveness, right? Some healing, some empathy and compassion for self. But really, like, when I look simply at the most successful times of my life and the parts that I struggled the most, the only differentiator is the amount of time that I've spent alone. And the more time alone, the more positive results. The less time alone, the less positive results. And it is directly correlated across the board. You could study it all day and it would create the same results over and over. And, you know, for me, what it is, is that if I don't give myself space, I end up in the doing this again. So easy. I'll be like, I'm going to have space. I'm like, I don't feel like it right now. Compensate, 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 compensate. Shit. And then, and it gets dangerous and it's easy to get into it because it's easy to be like, I'm serving the world. I'm creating content. Like I'm doing this for the family. I'm doing the dishes all while it's just depleting the gas tank and everything's coming from empty. And so, yeah, solitude, number one. On solitude, which is because it's so important. What was your process for like stepping into solitude, even when it was scary? What environment do you put yourself in? How long do you do it? And, And maybe even start with like where you began and where you are now. Yeah, totally. So for me, extreme amounts of resistance to have clarity, which also requires extremes amount of containers to create something different. For me, I'm just an extreme person. Or I I used to be an extreme person. Now I realize I just have a really big capacity. So for me, what it was, I had to use the power of accountability. I couldn't do it on my own. So I had to surround myself with a few people and I'd tell them what was important to me. But I, I had to surround myself with people that wouldn't accept my bullshit right? Like that wouldn't accept excuses, wouldn't accept mediocrity. And so it actually started with, uh, it was one of my, one of my friends and he's like, well, yeah, you waking up at 7am and spending 20 minutes in silence isn't hard. You're going to play it like a game, not really do any work. And then as soon as 720 hits, you're going back. He's like, I want you to get up at 4am every day. And I was like, I don't want him not in the military anymore. And then I was like, okay, there's something to it. And I said, I really want to push myself. So I'll do it. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. every day. I'm going to give up coffee, cold turkey, and I'm going to take an ice bath every morning for 30 days at 4 a.m. Record a video and post it on YouTube by 6 a.m. every day. And I called it the No Limits Challenge. And nobody knew why I was doing it. I was doing it for me. I was doing it to try to hold myself accountable. So basically what I did is I harped on my core wound that I was afraid that I wasn't good enough and people would leave me without them knowing. And I used that to my advantage. So I basically used my fear against myself. And so I was like, I have to post every day. I'm going to let them down. I have to post every day. I'm going to let them down. Well, I was basically pushing myself into habits that would allow these breakthroughs. And so in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to do this. Oh, but I can't let them down. And it was about day eight. And here's how I knew the shift happened. I was like, I'm going to take an ice bath. And I told myself, it doesn't matter if it's 10 seconds or 10 minutes. I just have to get in the cold water and get out, right? Nothing like giving myself backdoors. But I did it. And so every morning, the first nine days, and it was like 33 degrees outside, the ice bath was warmer than the air. It was 34. And so one to two for you Celsius people. Um, (laughs) So I would go outside. I'm like, I'm going to get in. And my, my win was as long as I get in the water fully submerged and out, I won for the day. And the first eight days, man, nothing more than 10 seconds, nothing more than 10 seconds. And then what had happened though is I would wake up at 4 a.m. and I wouldn't see another human till 7 like, so I had no inputs. I had no world. I had no nothing. And then it was around day eight. And I was like, I did that one again. And I got out and I was like, get your ass back in. And I was like, okay. And then I got back in. I didn't stay long. I just dipped in again. And I was like, why do you just keep quitting? Like, why? Hmm. And it was in that moment I had clarity. And I was like, oh, really interesting. I don't know, but I'll do another one tomorrow. The next day I did 17 minutes 
in 34 wow. degree water, 35 degree water. That's insane. Yeah. And the only shift was my awareness of my pattern, like where I and so what it was is it basically for me, it took eight days to reconnect to myself, like to not be driven by thought, insecurity or whatever. And that container was really, really tight for me. Yeah. Like that, like this awareness shows up almost like a, like an invisible friend who you like, who you've been stuffing away, who's now asking, why don't you get back in? Like, why do you always quit so early? It's like that. It takes time in silence or in stillness or in solitude for those parts of you to emerge who have messages for you. And so like on day number nine, it was, or day number 10, you ended up sitting for 17 minutes because you asked yourself new questions. You got to know yourself at a deeper level. And like, I wasn't some woke person just so everybody listened. I was running. I was running like, but like Dom talks about all the time. If you are intentional about your container and you lead yourself and you make it so you have the chance to win when you show up consistently, you will always find it. Yeah, always. Right. But like you can't win the game if you don't get on the field. So it didn't matter if I did a 25 minute ice bath, a 45 minute ice bath or a three second ice bath. It was about consistency, not intensity. It was just giving myself the opportunity, right? Like, I'm going to say this every day. Like, everyone's like, oh, I want to go run a marathon. I'm like, great. Well, you can read about it. You can watch videos about it all day. And a year later, you're still going to be in the same spot with a bigger brain. (laughs) Or like, you can just go for a 30 second walk today and a 30 second walk tomorrow. And I guarantee you 12 months later, even if you never run a marathon, you had the chance to figure out what it was. You got better. You got stronger. Your body's healthier. Like you got to create containers that give you a chance to succeed. And so for me, that 30 days was hard. It was hard that early that everything. And, and I was vlogging at the time too. So I would be editing videos to 1am sometimes. So I was a lot sleep deprived, but that I took that same level of intensity, which helped to teach me temperance, right? I was like, oh, I can't do this. This isn't sustainable. And I started to kind of drop things. And so moving forward, what it was is I would go through pockets of getting up at 4 a.m., going to the gym, and they'd be like, I'm too tired, boom, boom, boom. And then when I started to realize that it wasn't about like whether I got up at 4 a.m. or 7 a.m. or if it was like 30 minutes or 60 minutes, it was just about intentionality with the space, like just non-negotiable, just intentionality. And so now there's days like today. Today was 45 minutes of a walk, like just in in silence. And then I listened to a, a book about breath. And then yesterday, it was like five minutes. I was like, oh, I just, you know, I just want some space. And I just sat in my office and I sat there and I just check in on myself. And, and the way that I look at it, I'm like, oh, if I have anxiety or if I have fear or sadness and it's still in me, I just have to sit longer or I have to write it down or get it out. But I sat down yesterday and I was like, man, I want to change the world today. And I was yeah. like, wow, I'm good. All right, cool. Like my check engine light wasn't on basically. Right. And I was like, cool. I gave myself the opportunity. I put it in the container and I went into practice. Yeah. You know, I think Dom for me and for a lot of the men listening to this, I know something that I struggled with was it always had to look a certain way. It had to be perfect or it had to check a box or it had to be really, really intense or really, really perfect. Right. And, and at the end of the day, it just has to be. It, it doesn't matter what the wrapping paper looks like. Yeah. Right. You just need the container. If it's one minute of just literally breathing through your nose for one minute a day when closing your mouth, that will make your day better. If it's, you know, going for one walk, like when you wake up in the morning, no phone, no nothing until you go for a one minute walk and you brush your teeth, right? Like it's about that consistency. And I found like really what it is for me, Dom, what it was is that there's still pockets of my day where I don't believe in myself, right? Where it's like, I'm doing a challenge right now for 75 days. And I'm like, oh, no way. You know, part of me is like, yeah, I'll tell everybody. I'll tell Dom, I'm doing it, Dom. I'm doing it, Dom, right? And the moment the chocolate cake comes across the screen, I'm like, ooh, right? (laughs) Like I'm ready to go. 
but that's okay. And that's normal. I have to give myself a chance to win. And so like I give myself these containers and then I honor whatever happens in that container. But like I can't win if I don't put the container in place. Like I can't win even if I have that fear if I don't start. What I can do though is start and if I eat the chocolate cake, be like, wow, I really wanted that cake. Let's go back to day one. Not make it wrong. Not make it bad. Right. Progress. I did four days and I hadn't done more than one. Like win that. Celebrate that. Like – Yeah. You reminded me of The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Such a good and, book. Right. Such a great book. And he talks about like we have these two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. And standing in between those two is resistance. And he says, if you're a, a writer who doesn't write, an artist who doesn't paint, if you're a creator who doesn't create, then you know what resistance is. And he says that his process for writing these books is he just commits to sitting down and writing. That's mm -hmm. it. And he's like, and I will sit here and I will write for maybe two or three hours or whatever it is. I think he has a metric, maybe a thousand words or a couple of hours. And he goes, and I don't give a shit. If the work is any good, what I am committing to is showing up every day and writing because I know when I commit to that container, to that process, that over the course of time, my shit's going to be good. And he's written a few best-selling books and he's influenced a lot of lives. I would say so. I like the other thing that comes up to me is like Atomic Habits by James Clear, right? Same like, thing. Same thing, like all of it. Like when I think about it, like, and some of you, like Dom mentioned this earlier, like I had a world record for a standing box jump. Like I was a machine because I was compensating. I was bulimic. And competing at the highest level of CrossFit, right? Because I was hiding in plain sight. And so now when I stopped working out and, and gained some weight again, I was like, I can't work out till I'm going to be the best in the world. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then like, I would be like, oh, I'm going to work out tomorrow. I'm like, why? I'm never going to get back there. I'm like, well, yeah, you sure as shit aren't if you just lay in bed, you lazy ass. Like, come on. And then I checked him like, am I being lazy or am I afraid? And I'm like, I'm afraid. I'm like, you know what? Let's just set myself up to win. Like yesterday, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for a walk. Like, I'm just going to go for a walk. And I was like, but you know what? If I do walk, I'm going to go to that giant hill that's 1,500 feet of climbing. I'm not going to walk up it. But if I feel like it, I'll go up. I can turn around at any point, right? Like, and I, that was it. I'm like, as long as I walk, I go. Well, you know what happens to all of us. The moment you taste it, right, you go. I made it to the top of that hill and came back down. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to walk up the first 20 feet of it, right? The shift that you made is so underrated, especially for men, because you went from eviscerating yourself like you lazy ass. And that's the thing that we like condition ourselves to do to get ourselves into motion. Yep. So then actually being more gentle and compassionate with yourself and saying, you know what, today, actually, I just want to do a walk. And you know what, maybe I'm going to walk in the direction of this like big mountain in case I feel like walking up it. And I think the big fallacy is that most of us think that if we're not eviscerating ourselves, then we won't walk that mountain. Yeah. And, and I think the thing that you and I are finding is the kinder we are to ourselves the more extraordinary things that we're able to do. And it fucking feels better throughout the process. Every time. Like, well, like the thing is we, I'm going to close this loop. And by the way, for everybody wondering, it's called the Zygarnik effect and it drives George me nuts. Opening and closing loops. <laughs> I'm the marketing guy. I teach this stuff, right? I'm the life guy, right? But when we talked about earlier, all those accolades that I didn't celebrate, right? Well, there were two reasons. Number one is I was disconnected. But number two, there was no way for me to celebrate it because I had basically placated myself the entire time. So even if I hit number one, I still wouldn't have felt it because I was doing what you talked about. Wrong reasons, wrong measuring stick, yep. expecting to create a positive result while putting myself down in the process to create the result, right? Like you don't create a healthy masculine world by telling your kid to stop crying and man up. You create a healthy masculine world by telling your kid to cry and loving himself for the process. Like yep. you don't create a positive life by beating the shit out of yourself until you get there. 
No, that's called abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And we do it to ourselves. And I was guilty of this. I am no longer because like now it comes up and it's, it's about accountability. You ask like who I have in my life, like really what it is, is we're tribal creatures. We don't belong in a cone of silence. We don't belong in suffering. And the truth is, is like, and I'm trying really hard not to say you, you, you on this podcast because it's all true for me. For me, the reason I kept myself disconnected is because I was more committed to being right than I was committed to being myself. Yeah. And if I touched Dom or Dom and I got coffee, he would give me less than a second of beating myself up before he hugged me and said, I love you, bro. Why are you being so mean to yourself? And so instead, (laughs) I disconnected from the world. So I had permission and literally isolation to beat the shit out of myself. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, guys, like. I know. Okay, I get it. I'm going to beat the shit out of myself and expect some positive result. No, it starts like, hey, I'm beating the shit out of myself. Fuck, let's start there first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) done. Neutral, let's move forward. And I I think it's a really, really important distinction. And and I think, Dom, I'm not going to get into culture here, but I think we live in a world that like puts men down, puts women down, puts kids down, puts everything down, where it's focused on the negative, not realizing like we're building our Rome. And our Rome isn't built overnight. It's built piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. And listen, you're going to lay a brick and it's going to break. You're going to install a new carpet and you're going to get blood on it, right? Like you're going to buy a new car and you're going to get in an accident, right? Last time I checked, when you got a flat tire, you didn't slash the other three. Right, <laughs> right. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's something that's so important. And like, that's why I love accountability. That's why I love feedback loops. That's why I love community is like, you don't have to be perfect, quote unquote, because we're all perfect, right? But it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be, you know, like we're not born Olympic gold medalists. No, we're born with that mentality and we, we align ourselves and we do the work to do it every day. And it's about progress. Like really, it's just about progress every day. And like today, I feel like I've already made progress and I'm still experiencing sadness today. But I'm so proud of myself for what I've done today. Like, Oh, I'm yeah. proud of myself for the phone calls I made this morning and that piece of content that I wrote that might change somebody's life. And my walk this morning, I did 70 minutes with my mouth closed and only breathe through my nose Nice to yeah. work on my breathing, right? And like by all intents and purposes, I have two options. I can be like, oh, you didn't do anything today. I'm like, man, I already fucking won today. Right. And this episode is going to touch somebody's life and they're going to be felt and seen and heard by you, right? So like that's the measuring stick now, you know, and- and George, as we're, as we're coming to a close here, man, I think what would be really a brilliant way to go out is yeah. to share with us what's the, the new way that you are mastering the art of leading yourself? Like what's the next frontier for you as you continue to evolve and how much ground you've covered in just the last five years alone is, is extraordinary. Where are you taking it next, man? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be really, really blunt about this. I'm just shutting my fucking mouth. I'm just shutting my mouth. And one of my safety mechanisms in this work and my default is to tell everybody what I'm doing, to give myself fuel and energy and find a new way to extract energy from external sources, uh-huh. which is also why Dom had no idea I was doing a challenge right now or like what I've done in the last two weeks. And Dom and I are really close friends and talk every day. Yeah. I'm trying that on for size where yeah. I want to be the man that my family And my friends and my team bet on, not because of the words that I say, but because of how they feel, bearing witness to how I lead myself. 
And so I keep a vision on my whiteboard next to me all the time. And for the longest time, it said the same thing. And it was about like materialistic things and boom, 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 boom. Right. And I erased it the other day. And all I wrote, it says one focus, have the ability to always say yes. Hmm. That's it. Hmm. That's it. And so for me, it's about honor. It's about self-respect. And more importantly, it's about integrity with self. And so that means like when I walk out of the office and my wife's like, hey, baby, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling like shit, baby. Thank you for asking. I'm going to get back to work. Not like, oh, it's all good. Or, you know, hey, this is coming up. The world's crazy right now. How do you feel about it? It's like, I'm scared shitless, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Right. And like really just checking in and owning that and honoring that because it's really easy for me to lie to everybody else which in turn is a representation of me lying to myself. Like, oh, it's fine. No, it's not fine. Like in this moment right now, I am the happiest that I've ever been. And I am experiencing low level anxiety like a boss because like (laughs) I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I have, you know, seven more hours of calls today. I got the weight of the world. I got those bills due. I got to take care of my team. I got to do all of that. I'm falling in love with that feeling because I'm recognizing it for what it is. And really, it's it's the check engine light. Like, hey, there's something you should pay attention to right now. Totally. There's something that's requiring your energy and focus. So let's kind of be in and honest with it. So for me, before, because I'll encapsulate the whole journey, up until about five or six years ago, I led from the front to compensate for attention and to hide in plain sight. Hmm. And then for the last five years... I've tried leading from the front with my words to invigorate, inspire, or motivate myself into creating the life I wanted by talking about it, but not necessarily living it. Hmm. And for the next five years, the only voice you'll hear and the only content you'll see will be me by example. Right. That's fucking beautiful, man. I can really feel that from you. And uh, I can't wait to see what that manifests. Well, we're taking over the world, my friend. I right? know, I know. I just we're just we're just letting the rest of the audience know they need to be put on alert. And for everybody listening to this right now, so first off, because I know we're gonna wrap in a minute. Thank you, like thank you, like for the gift of sharing your time with me, because you can never get this back. And I'm honored, and I'm grateful that you listened. You allowed me, and we would have to do episodes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to get into you know all the depth of a lot of these things. But I think if I could give any gift any gift that I've ever received to have everybody move forward. The finish line for me of where I knew I made it as a human was awareness, awareness, agnostic of feeling or judgment. And the best way I can say it is to be able to look at your life like it's a movie and you just document your awareness on a piece of paper in a voice note, in a video or with a friend. That is probably the fastest path forward for anybody that I've ever seen is just really having the ability to check in, see where we are, not judge it, not make it wrong, no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame, and be like, wow, I just put the starting coordinates in my GPS. So now when I select a destination, I can get there because anything less than awareness is you trying to tell Google Maps to get you somewhere without them knowing where you are. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's awesome, man. And you know, what I mentioned in um, in the intro before we started this episode is that I am a part of George's mastermind and he's teaching me how to bring my message to the men of this world who need it from a place of heart. And one of the things that George teaches is brilliant is relationships always beat algorithms, right? Like we are living in this world where Facebook has an algorithm, Instagram has an algorithm, everything has an algorithm and we've lost sight of the human connection. And one of the things that I've really resonated with George since we met at the John Wineland seminar last year 
was that George leads from his heart. And you can hear that in every word that he speaks from in this episode today. That's making me emotional now. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you should, man. Like you've received this. And, you know, one of the ways that I entered through to end up in George's mastermind, which is uh, like a tight knit group of people who are working on themselves, working on their marketing message, working on changing the world was through George's Facebook group. And is that still the place that you like to send people, George? Yeah, the best place to find me, everything the podcast included, which you can hear a whole lot of my mind, which is why it's called Mind of George. It's all at mindofgeorge.com, www.mindofgeorge.com. And Dom, on that, and, and brother, thank you for having me. I'm actually super emotional right now. And I think there's a, a big thing in here. Dom and I had a, had a conversation about eight weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago. We were kind of yelling at each other on Zoom because we love each other and expressing feelings. And one of the challenges in that is that I never was able to receive Dom's gift. I was never able to receive his feedback or let it in because I was still low level suppressing my truth. And so there was nowhere for it to get into. And so the fact that I'm emotional now and you just said that makes me really, 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 really fucking happy because I, I'm feeling on a whole different level. And the biggest difference was it's just really being authentic about my feelings. But one thing, Dom, for you and for everybody else, it doesn't matter where you are in this listening to this, whether you work for somebody, whether you work for yourself, whether you're into fitness, whether you're into knitting or whether you're into fucking cat supplements, I don't care. And it doesn't matter if you're building a business, writing a book, doing anything. Every one of us has probably a thousand opportunities every day to practice this foundationally. And so, you know, my podcast talks a lot about quote unquote marketing or business or leading self. But if you listen to everything you consume from a from a foundational perspective, from a principal perspective, just listen and put your lens on it. Like, oh, they were talking about like walking. Well, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to swim. Go swim. Or they were talking about space and meditation. Well, I'm not going to meditate. I'm going to go, you know, in the sauna, like whatever it is for you. I'm just going to encourage everybody to always listen to what's deeper because the message is there and the more space you give yourself, the more that wisdom and intuition can come through. And that's something that I'm, I'm learning now. And Dom has been tapped into for a while. And I know everybody listening to this is there. And so if you feel called in this, there's a reason like go explore it, find a modality to put it into practice. And just remember that every day we're all just getting better. We're just getting better and better and better. 1%, 1%, 1%. And so I'm just, I'm proud of everybody listening to this. And, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, Dom will vouch for me. It doesn't matter what you need or how you need it. If you come into our group or you send us a message or a team, we will respond and we will help you any way that we can with anything that we can because that's what we stand for. And George means that. So I'm going to link mindofgeorge.com in the show notes. Um, go there right now if you want more of George in your life because I certainly do. George, brother, such a great conversation with you, man. And thanks for always bringing the truth. Yeah, brother. Thank you. It was a gift. Everybody, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys in round two or three or four on my podcast or Dom's because there's more coming. Oh, and if you haven't listened to Dom's on mine, go. Go now. Oh, that's right. Mind of George. Mind of George podcast. Dom is in there. I think it was like episode 47, 48. It's the most downloaded episode so far. So Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I looked today, Dom. Good job, man. I still haven't even shared it to my audience yet. So let's go make that happen. Let's go make it happen. <laughs> Holy episode. I just listened to it again. As I was recording this part, and I literally took my own page of notes, but before we go any further, um, the show is about to end, but I want you to listen to Dom's uh, call to action from his show in a minute. I actually, uh, Dom is a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, and also a uh, member of my mastermind, and I am helping Dom. Uh, with his amazing book launch and his book uh, on purpose leadership. And he talks about that in a minute. It applies to both men and women. And I highly recommend everybody, and I mean everybody, 
go pre-order this book. Hint, hint, if you want to see how to do a book launch, uh, the assets, the way the books are written, this is basically the best of the best. Dom embodies everything it means to do book launches correctly, market a book, put value in the book, and have it support him, his business, by supporting you. And so I want you to listen to this outro before we add our outro to the show. It's about a minute. Dom gives you specific instructions, and then you can even shoot him an email to get some freebies and bonuses. But I highly recommend every one of you go buy the book on purpose leadership go to amazon barnes and noble on purpose leadership and then check out dom's show the great man within and his website which is dominicq.com let me spell that for everybody since he talks about it it's d-o-m-i-n-i-c-k-q.com and so buy the book listen to this outro it's coming right now Thank you for letting me share my heart and my soul with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me. And I'm going to let Dom speak again. Ready? Go. Hey, if this conversation with George has inspired you to figure out how you want to measure the quality of your own life and to live a life of purpose on your own design, then I encourage you to check out my new book, which is officially available for pre-order on purpose leadership. Master the Art of Leading Yourself so that you can inspire and impact others. It's a book about how to find purpose in your life on a daily basis, a lot of which George talked about and I talked about in today's episode. How to design your own operating principles that keep you on track and live an anti-drift free life. And then how to implement the daily practices, many of which George talked about that govern the quality of his life. The book is a blueprint for how to bring that into your own existence. So you can go on to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere that you buy books and pre-order on purpose leadership. And when you do, email me your receipt to Dominic at DominicQ.com, Dominic at DominicQ.com. And in the coming weeks, I'll be releasing a whole bunch of freebies that come along with the book itself, like exercises and worksheets and guided meditations and more to help you put the book into practice on-purpose leadership wherever books are sold and you can pre-order a copy now. Thanks for listening to this episode. And like I said in the beginning and probably a ton of times throughout, make sure you subscribe to the show if you want to hear more. Now, leave a review if you like me. Actually, don't leave a review if you like me. Just leave a review if you feel so inclined. But I'm going to ask you because it helps other people find this. And I'm going to give you a little marketing lesson in the outro of this anyways. Go to mindofgeorge.com so you can get into our crazy family and also get a free gift my team and I made for you. Now, here's the thing. There's only four types of customer journeys and I'm sending you to one page to cover all of it. But our job is to give you everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. See, what I want is I want you to be in our family. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I want you to have a win before I ever get a win. And so on that page, you'll see some of the best stuff that we have, our top podcast episodes, our free courses we put together, our free content. And there's one in particular that I'm super proud of. We put together a free 30-day transformational marketing course, literally just need your email so you can get in and get into the membership site. We talk about the two most important documents in your business, your lighthouse and your avatar sheet, which we now call the beacon of beliefs in your captain's assessment. We teach you about the conscious and subconscious customer journey, how to have congruency in your marketing, the psychology of email marketing 
marketing, the six email sequences that your business needs to have right now to win, the two most wasted pieces of real estate and digital marketing that you can fix right now, my special five-part email recipe, and how to reframe your card abandonment strategy so you don't insult people's intelligence anymore, plus whatever else I can come up with on a certain level of crazy, because my mission is to teach you that relationships will always beat algorithms, and I'm ready to be on your team, I'm ready to be in your corner, and it's time for you to win a gold medal. So make sure you go to mindofgeorge.com, and we'll see you in the next episode. I love you all. Bye.